From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. You would probably expect to find medical journals at a medical school, but what about a journal for literature and visual arts? Upstate Medical University, since the year 2000, publishes the Healing Muse Literary and Visual Arts Journal each year. HealthLink on Air is proud to share an excerpt from the Healing Muse each week. Here with me in the studio today to tell us about the new edition of The Healing Muse is the editor, Dr. Deirdre Nealon, who's also an associate professor of bioethics and humanities at Upstate. Thanks for being here, Deirdre. Thanks for having me, Amber. Let's begin with a little history. Um, Tell us how The Healing Muse got its start, because this is year 19, right? Yes, I know. I can't believe we're at 19 already. Um, The Muse began as an idea by a former uh, colleague, uh, Professor... Bonnie St. Andrews. Uh, It was her idea to have a journal that would publish the writings of healthcare professionals. She felt as a writing teacher in the College of Health Professions, the College of Nursing, and the College of Medicine, she did all three, she felt that there were so many stories that those professionals kept inside that she thought it would be good for them to reflect on them by writing. And so she thought, I'll start an in-house journal. So the first year, our volume one, uh, is just people from uh, Upstate Medical. Uh, The second year, she expanded it a little bit more, and the third year, a little bit more. And then she tragically uh, got a brain tumor and passed away. So by the fourth issue, I became uh, the editor, and the internet was in full swing. And all of a sudden, it was very easy to put this work out across the country, across the globe, and receive work from across the country and across the globe. So by 19, um, our journal has really, I think, fulfilled Bonnie's vision, which was to become a place for people to reflect on what has happened to them as they get well or as they get sick or as they watch people they love suffer, uh, and to further the dialogue between practitioners and patients and the people who care for them. Was it, uh, was it tricky to convince administrators that you know, a medical school needed to have this journal? Or were they... No, you know, I have to say, uh, first of all, Bonnie was extremely persuasive. Anybody who knows her, and there are still people around here who remember her very fondly, uh, she just had a way of telling you stuff that you thought, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, and I have to say that through all the... Um, changes that we've had at Upstate, we have had very supportive administration. And I'd I'd mention in particular Dr. Gregory Eastwood, who I remember when I went to his inaugural address when he became uh, the president of Upstate, he quoted uh, Emily Dickinson and Spinoza. And I remember Bonnie and I looking at each other and thinking, oh, wow, we have a person here who loves literature as well as medicine. So no, it's been a very easy way to, to have the journal be housed in a medical facility. And uh, the idea that a medical school would have this, uh, we're not alone. There's other medical schools that no, have no, support. No, we're not alone, but I, I like to think that we are one of the best ones. Uh, but yes, there, there are many medical schools now that are working their way through, will they just be in-house journals? I notice, I mean, I try to keep up with who's doing what, and it's very interesting to read the ones who are close to outside writers and are just trying to let their physicians and nurses and medical students write versus the ones that do as we do, which is to say, um, it's a big world out there. Let's see what other writers are thinking. 
Okay. Well, the publication um, includes poems, narratives, essays, memoir, um, and a, a variety of types of writing. So do you, you look for themes of medicine and healing, but how do you select which ones to include? Because I, I imagine you get a lot of submissions. We get very many submissions. Um, I should have brought those numbers for you, but the, every year it increases the numbers that we're getting. I would say that uh, the quality of the writing is what pushes a piece to the forefront of our consciousness. It's very hard to say to people, okay, let's have a contest or let's have a magazine and we are about health. Um, you get some work then that is not very good because you can almost tell the writer is struggling to make this piece fit their preconceived notion of what health is or what you know, the body is or something like that. So we tried in our um, submission guidelines to say that we are about health, we are about illness, we are about wellness, we are about the body, we are about disability issues. We're really about almost everything that has to do with being human. And what attracts us is a story or a poem or a memoir that makes us look at something we thought we understood and you just have that aha moment where, oh, this is, this is somewhat different, or yes, that's exactly how I felt. Um, and that's who gets into the journal. As the editor, do you try to um, make sure that you have a mix of things that are, I don't know, leave you feeling uplifted or maybe you're sad? <laughs> I mean, some, uh, yeah. of, some of the work is, I mean, can bring it's a It's very sad. I know it. Um, no, I don't look for a mix. I'm always pleased when we get something that makes us smile or laugh, because it's true that when you're talking about illness, those moments of hilarity are few and far between. Um, but I don't ever try to say, oh, we have too many pieces about cancer this this year. Uh if you write well about cancer, um, the chances are you could get in. And on the other hand, if you wrote something very funny, um, for example, this year we heard from an eighth grade boy in Korea, and he sent us his first piece, and it's about bubble wrap. And it's only six lines long, and it did just tickle us. Uh, he just wrote about why he likes bubble wrap, and it's very sweet, and at the same time, it's also got that double edge that poetry can have, where you think you're reading about one thing, and then you get to the last line, and you think, oh, there is a little bit of wow. a something there. So that was one that, you know, would I ever think that I'm going to put out a call for, anybody got a poem on bubble wrap for us? No, but... There it was. There it was. There it was. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Deirdre Nealon. She's an Associate Professor of Bioethics and Humanities and the editor of Upstate's literary and visual arts magazine, The Healing Muse. So let's talk about the visual arts in here. Um, there's drawings, paintings, photographs. How do you go about choosing what will appear on the cover? Um, that's a vote that we all take. Um, I want to give a lot of credit in our art selections to Nancy Sharir, who works here at Upstate. Uh, she is a graphic artist designer. Um, she's also a writer in her own right. But um, she is the one who uh, picks uh, some of the art. I mean, most of the art, I would say. But we do have uh, five of us that sit down and look at everything that comes in. And we talk about it. 
the cover is a special, obviously, is a special decision. The cover is supposed to be a muse. Um, and we've had very wonderful discussions, uh, vigorous discussions about what constitutes a muse. Uh, the traditional muse is a female, and she is someone that appeals to the male gaze. And we did never, we never wanted that to be what our muse was. But the idea was, if this is a journal that tries to talk about the journey people take on their way to healing, what, what inspires people? And so we've looked for covers that tell a story. And um, this particular cover, we've gone back to a more traditional form of the muse. Uh, our associate editor, Dr. Kathy Faber-Langendoon, was on vacation in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and visited a museum, as is her want, because she's always looking for muse covers. And there she found William Adolph Bougereau's magnificent painting, The Little Shepherdess. And you and I are looking at the cover, Amber, and we can see just how, I don't know, like vulnerable, innocent, and yet strong this young woman is posed in a field. Uh, Bougereau was so well known for his uh, hands and feet, what he could do with them. Her gaze is looking straight out at us, and I just feel she is a great muse. And so Kathy brought the reproduction, the picture back for us, and we looked at it, and and we all voted and said, yes, let's make this let's make this little person our muse this time. Well, what else can you tell us about this volume? Is there, are there any work, which work touched you personally the most? Oh, um, you know, so many of them touched me personally, but I, I can tell you one story. Uh, we received a message uh, from someone who works here at the university, um, Sue Keeter, and she told us of a person that she knew who uh, had sickle cell anemia, which is a disease that I have, um, in my work at, with bioethics, have been very interested in how people are treated who have that disease. Uh, and she told me about a young man who had the disease and had triumphed over so many of the disease's problems. And he had written a beautiful poem, and she wondered if we would be interested in it. And I said, oh, of course, you know, send it over to us. And so she did, and we were very moved by that poem. And we asked Michael if we could publish it, and he passed away. And so he will not be able to see his poem in the, the book, but we are hoping that at our launch, his widow, uh, Kim, is going to come and read it. And she let us know how happy uh, he would be that, you know, he, he's thought of himself as a poet. And despite how that disease can really work at a person, tire them out, and make it almost impossible at times for them to, to feel that they can have a quote-unquote normal life, he did it. He did everything. He has a lovely daughter, a lovely wife, great family, and he wrote... Um, so that, that poem means something to me on so many different levels, and I'm really eager to hear his wife read how she interprets it. Have you noticed any themes that you're seeing more of this year or in recent years um, in terms of the submissions? I think that people are becoming more comfortable with being more honest about their own health problems, particularly as regards uh, things like eating disorders or addiction problems or violence in the home. I think that uh, writing has been very therapeutic for some people, and 
getting a message out to other people that you're not alone. That's, that's something that in the last few years I've seen much more um, beautifully written works about that. So what percentage come from um, patients versus uh, caregivers, doctors and nurses? And oh, other? That's, that's interesting. Um, I haven't really worked out those percentages, but I would think that we are about one-third medical professionals and two-thirds people outside uh, the system. Well, I want to let listeners know that you'll, at the end of this HealthLink on Air program, we'll have you read a selection from this volume. Um, but I also want to let people know you're accepting submissions for volume 20. Yes, um, yes. Thank you for, for saying that. Yes, you can just go to thehealingmuse.org and you will find there all the uh, rules of regulations. It's very simple to send us your work. Uh, if you are writing uh, prose pieces, we have a 2,500-word limit. If you are writing poems, uh, I think we have a 10-page limit of poetry. Um, but we use uh, a web design called submittable.com, and that's how you just uh, download it on your computer and send us your work. It takes us about six weeks to respond. We try to be timely. Um, and we will let you know yes or no. And next year, Volume 20 will be published in October of 2020. So yes, we are open now until April 15th. April 15th deadline, and people uh, need to submit new works that have not oh, been yes, published. Oh, yes, thank you for that yeah. reminder, yes. We don't want anything that you have published before, and that includes if you've published online. Sometimes we get questions from people, and no, people do read journals online now, so we would like your work to be first published in our journal. You get the rights after that. We just ask that if you republish it, many of our writers, for example, have books in the works and they, they use the selections that they've had in the muse in their own books. And the only thing we ask is in the fronts piece, could you just say you acknowledge that the Healing Muse was one of the place where your work appeared? Well, thank you to Dr. Deirdre Nealon, editor of the Healing Muse Literary and Visual Arts Magazine. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.